This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by Relative Clauses. You wouldn't tell me about the book who you are reading. You'd talk about the book that you are reading. So why are you all going around out there talking about the guy that you met, the guy that you were talking to, when you're not talking about the guy who you were talking to? Because these are people, guys. You know, so don't make them that's or this is or anything less. They're human beings. Ah! Head on over to uh, any dictionary or like a place of higher learning or just think about it for a little bit and take use your coupon code www.getalife and just educate yourself for heaven's sake. You judgmental freak. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everybody. We, we almost never intro the podcast by just going, hey, what's up? It's Grant and Jason. That's because we always have something to talk about. I know, and now I, I just... Well, I could have found something to talk about if you had, if you had said it, but... Said what? If you had been like, hey, do you have anything to intro the podcast with? Yeah, but we never... But that's not we organic. We never do it like that. No. Also, I'm really tired of the word organic being used as a buzzword for everything that's not Staged. very manufactured. Yeah. You could say natural instead, yeah. or, you know... Not forced. Yeah. Very unforced natural yeah i mean yeah you might say that we are the people that have really organic intros yeah you know those people that do the thing no it's the people who do the thing (gasps) i'm (laughs) that whole thing stresses me out so much and i i really don't know if it's actually grammatically incorrect or if it just bothers my like sensibilities uh-huh. Regardless. I, I guarantee you when somebody uses mixes up a who with a that in a sentence that's written and I read it, I will notice it. Okay. Every like every time. I never just skim over it and don't realize. Let's get on to the media who you have been consuming. <laughs> okay, so yeah, what what have you been watching or reading or you haven't been reading? Have you been playing or watching? Wow. That's a weird little Nobody will be what? able to hear that, but your throat just went... Really? Yeah. I did. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. I uh I finished Bioshock Infinite, which is something that I believe I talked about last episode. No le- no need to belabor it. Um, although I guess my closing thought on it is that it is a really great game. It has a really strong story. It lives in the shadow of one of the greatest games and indeed what I think is one of the greatest narratives of all time. And... In that regard, it's kind of tough for it to ever measure up. But I think, as I said on the last episode, we got to do an episode just on the Bioshock franchise. Yes. So I don't need to get into it too deeply now. And you and I got to finish playing through all the games anyways. Mm-hmm. In terms of watching stuff, I've still been burning through The Office. I'm knocking on the door of season seven now. Almost done season six. Um Recently, I've I've gotten just a little, not a lot, but just a little bit into Dragon's Den. So hold is, on, hold on. Which is something I thought I'd never say is in my it, whole life. Is it Dragon's Den or is it Shark Tank? It's Dragon's Den that I'm okay. watching. The Canadian version, which is even worse. Oh, because Hannah watched Shark Tank. Yeah, Shark Tank is the U.S. one with much more well-known people. I was is googling it, it last night. Yeah, because that's it the is? one with Kevin O'Leary, right? Yeah, yeah. 
the Canadian one has the wealthy barber on it and like the Boston pizza and Mr. Lube guy. Anyways, that's a show that I never thought that I would be into. And it's like, it's so bad, but it's kind of fun to watch. In terms of movies, I really haven't watched a lot of movies recently. Um, This past Saturday, while Grant was ironing and we were all just kind of hanging out, he had The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly playing. Yeah. And so you and me and Dad all kind of, probably none of us watched the entire film, but it was kind of just on. And I was I was very close to watching it. Yeah. I ironed 16 um, shirts. That's good. That's good. That's a lot. Uh, but But we both really enjoy westerns. I think we've talked about them to some extent before. We've talked about Once Upon a Time in the West, right? Or did that episode get lost? I think it did get I'm lost. Sorry. That was the episode that we uh, that we lost. We did a whole episode where we talked about the genre of the Western mm-hmm. and what it means to us. And it was deleted afterwards in a tragic accident. And neither of us felt strongly enough about the episode to yeah. make a massive effort to get it Regardless, back. we should at some point talk about the Clint Eastwood trilogy of Westerns of The Man With No Name. They're completely iconic and... And very fun, just the right level of camp um, that you kind of laugh along with it. Whenever somebody shoots a gun, there's a huge sound. Big ricochet. Yeah, they, big ricochet. They could shoot it like a pile of, you know, cornstarch, and it would ricochet somehow. But at the same time, there's also just enough grit that you kind of you're kind of into it. Here's the thing: you absolutely like. I don't. I mean, some people just don't get westerns, and that's fine. But for me. I get unironic, like I get chills, actual chills, unironically when I watch those movies. Now, am I still laughing at, like you said, the camp, the uh, the Italian actors with English speech dubbed over their lips so their mouths don't move in sync with the way they talk at all? Yeah, it's totally funny. It's totally campy. But like when Clint Eastwood like steps around a corner and flips his poncho over his shoulder. How could you not get chills? You have the close-up shot where someone's eyes shift from, like, the center to the right, and then it goes, ah! It's so... It's great, so yeah. so good. I I have... Um, is that DVD case down here? Yeah. Okay, grab it for me really quick. I know this is, like, thrilling podcast making. Jason's now stretching a great distance to my... Oh, Sorry. Jason. It's fine. Oh, no deal. Goodness. Oh, I can't get back up. <laughs> so in this in this DVD case, it's a it's a good purchase. I think I I think I got this at Walmart, but I have an actual running tally of how many times I've watched each movie. So add one more to the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've seen a fistful of dollars. This says three times, but that's not correct at all. I'm gonna bump that up to four because I know I watched it once recently. Uh, for a few dollars more, which is my favorite, I've watched nine times. I've watched The Good and the Bad, The Ugly four times, and I've watched Hang 'em High uh, four times as well. So I've seen these movies a lot, and I'm nowhere near tired of them. They're just easy movies to throw on every once in a while and, and just enjoy them. And like I think they're... I always think that they're going to play in the background or whatever, and then I end up getting completely sucked into like, it, like vacuum sealed yeah. into them. So good. As for music, sorry. <laughs> as for music, I continue my journey through the Bahamas. I've also been uh, using this time as a bit of like a reprieve. 
there's a lot of music that will be coming out in the coming months that we're really excited for. But for the time yes. being, while it's been really kind of dead, I've just been going through my library, listening to things that I see and I go, oh, I really like this. And I haven't listened to it in a while. I've become really enamored again. It's not like I ever got away from it, but Leonard Cohen, I've been listening to so much Leonard Cohen and listening to some of his albums that I've never heard before. Ditto with who else? I've been listening to a lot of Bright Eyes. I've been going back and listening to like the Lemon Twigs again, the Interrupters, just all kinds of stuff. A little bit of everything. That's all from me. Put down your phone and tell me about yourself. I, uh, I've uh, still been playing through Grim Fandango with a fair a fair amount of regularity and like what a joy <laughs> like what what an absolute and talk about you know if you're if did I'm, we do a Grim Fandango episode or not I can't remember I don't think so I'm gonna I look really it's that would that. be a definite episode yeah oh yeah that's definitely an episode sir um, I'm getting to that point with these with this show where I truly just can't remember mm-hmm. if we've talked about things or not so this is episode thirty eight yeah so I mean take out like say four special L I mean we've talked about like 70 different things yeah that it's getting very hard to remember what we have and haven't talked about if somebody wants to compile a master list that would be great thank you anyway nobody will do that no yeah I wouldn't do that no me neither uh if you do do that I'll give you I'd give you 20 bucks quite frankly I'd give you five dollars and 75 cents okay so that's 25.75 if anybody wants to take us up on that we promise we will actually yeah. pay you Anyway, Grim Fandango was on episode seven, and that's that's twenty five seventy five oh. uh, Canadian, by the way. Yeah, so that's March twenty fourth, twenty seventeen. We talked about it over we two did? years ago. Yeah. Oh my goodness. More than with Electric Warrior. Holy cow! What a weird. <laughs> Our shows are so. Today's weird. is and again, at today's least is, this weird. Today's is at least as. Sometimes weird. we try and come up with common threads. Actually, we do a good job with that. We have seventy five percent of the time recently. This episode, there is absolutely no connection. It's a real miss. If anything, there's a negative correction. Yeah. Connection. Connections. Anyway, um, I've been playing Grim Fandango. Beautiful, beautiful, hilarious game, as as we talked about, I guess, two years ago. Uh, Just so good. You come at the end of a long day and only get into bed, and I play it on the Vita, and if I'm stressed or anything like that, it just melts away. Like, that game is... It's immersive. It's so funny. It's so endearing and quirky and mysterious and and satisfying as well. Uh, I also finished Red Dead Redemption 2 only five months after I started playing it. And uh, and all I have How left now is the five, I think. Because we got in November, right? Yeah. So November, December, January. Technically, like February, probably six months after we got it. Closer March, to. April. Yeah, closer to six months. Yeah, around six months. So it took me six months to play through it, which I really don't regret. I stalled out a little bit on it. And you're not even finished it. No, I still have the epilogue to do, but I finished the main. We yes. can say I finished the main story. And uh, yeah, what a ride. I mean, it wasn't a, it's not a perfect game, but when you take into account the sheer size of the of the world and the amount of characters they're, they're dealing with, it is uh, staggering how good that game is they really did pull off the polish and the quality of like a smaller linear game with the scope of like a huge open world game and that's something that has mostly never been done before there have been one or two games like uh, like the witcher 3 would be close but certainly 
I don't think anything has ever really succeeded on the level Red Dead 2 did to deliver both size and quality. Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so much better than uh, anything else like that. In terms of uh, films, I just want everybody, I just want to say to everybody again, because it's in my my watch list. We pimped this movie probably more than any other movie. Watch Nightcrawler. Oh my god. I should watch it again. I just watched Split, which is the second latest film from M. Night Shyamalan, whatever. Mm -hmm. He did, uh, you know, The Sixth Sense. All the spooky films that that he wants to make you second-guess yourself. With the big twist at the end. Mm -hmm. And Split was actually pretty enjoyable. It focuses around a character James McAvoy plays. You've probably seen him as a young... I believe he plays Professor X in some of the X-Men movies. Yeah. As a younger Professor X. And he uh, is somebody with multiple, multiple very distinct personalities. One's an 11-year-old boy. One's a fashion designer. One's kind of a thug. One is a kind of uptight, prissy woman. And James McAvoy's performance is, like, airtight. It's interesting. It's so You'd good. think that would be one of the hardest performances you can pull off to have. And he'll, and he'll trade, like, sentences with them interesting now is the movie cut such that he could have different takes for yeah sometimes it is yeah like it's it's shot reverse shot but on the same person but regardless it's one guy Mm -hmm. and i forget like in when the credits roll it shows all the names of all the characters he plays Mm -hmm. and like he he really is absolutely sensational in it the the story itself is meh like this the story is not great and uh not really that impressive but his his uh performance is completely worth the ticket like easily so i definitely encourage anybody to go see split um equalizer you gotta well. watch hot fuzz sometimes the equalizer never seen that. you've never seen it no i saw it years ago should we get yeah. into the show yeah i i think that that's pretty much everything I, i've been up to really i'm sure i'm missing something but i'm also watching the office where are you at now I don't even know. Well, go check. We have like 30 seconds where we don't have anything to do. We have stuff to do. Here's my phone. Not right now. Okay, I'll check on my phone. My phone's go like this. Well, it's it's gonna play then. I can't believe your mouse is so screwed up. Look, season five, episode 26. Oh yeah. I thought you were in season six already. No. Well, obviously not. You have some really good stuff going on here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I watched American Psycho. You're aboard the Good Ship Brothership. It is the only podcast to cover film, music, gaming, literature, and enamel teeth. Enamel teeth, yep. I'm one of your brothers, Jason. And I'm the other one, Grant. Also, I forgot to mention that I watched American Psycho. And it wasn't um, it wasn't really quite as disturbing as I thought it was going to be. After all the hype of people going, it's so disturbing. Okay, what are we talking about today? It's an old movie, okay. but definitely mm-hmm. worth a watch. One of Christian Bale's right. better performances, and I really don't like Christian right. Bale. Today, right. we're not talking. We are talking about two <laughs> just like incredibly different things. I feel weird even it's saying like them in the spreading... same. It's like putting uh... it's like putting hummus on a chocolate cake. Yeah, pretty so much. <laughs> we've got we've got. Um, the album from and again what a weird album also that's can i just say for the record that i was going to start with hummus also so i thought that was well that's cool anyways 
So we, we're starting with the 2005 pop album from the lead singer yes. of Matchbox 20, Rob Thomas. The album is, so it's Rob Thomas and the album is Something to Be. It's ellipses and then Something to Be. How do you read an ellipses that starts? Like this. The new album by Rob Thomas, Something to Be. If it's mid-sentence, it's okay. Anyways. I'm anyway, sorry. yeah. So this, everybody's heard uh, the banjo inflected tune unwell by matchbox 20 from probably i'm gonna guess 2002 or something like this well this album is what that lead singer got up to three-ish years later and i cannot believe that we're talking about it and yet here we are and then the other thing we're talking about is the i guess we can say it was released in 2012 yeah 2012 the 2012 video game hotline miami kind of a cult following um, very very unique game you're not really going to find anything out there that's really comparable to it I wouldn't say so we'll save the explanation for when we get into the discussion proper but first we have to decide what we're talking about this in my mind is one of the clearest puppet flipping solutions absolutely like, Hotline Miami has to be face down yeah, it's like not even no it's not even you didn't close. even need to clarify okay we are flipping the puppet. Oh, it hit a guitar and it got snagged on a cord. Is this a reflip? Yeah. Okay. Face, face down. down. Hot so Miami. That's kind of that's secretly kind of what I was hoping. The the yeah, that's kind of what I was hoping for. So, do do you want to talk or should I go first? I have better notes on Matchbox Twenty, and I have far more comprehensive notes on Hotline Miami. And also, it's not Matchbox Twenty. Rob Thomas would be very upset to know that you said that. <laughs> uh, sucks to be him. Okay, Hotline Miami. Hotline Miami is a top-down shooter video game by Jonathan... Holy cow, how do you say Sodestrom. that? Sodestrom. Sodestrom. And Dennis Whedon, collectively known as Denetton Games. The game was published by Devolver Digital and released on the 23rd of October 2012 for Microsoft Windows. It has since then come to every, pretty much every yeah, platform. Much everything. Um, set in 1989 Miami, the game revolves primarily around an unnamed silent protagonist dubbed Jacket by fans, who has been receiving messages on his answering machine instructing him to commit massacres against the local Russian mafia. The game blends top-down perspective with stealth, extreme violence, and surreal storytelling along with a soundtrack and visuals inspired by 1980s culture. The game itself was influenced in part by Nicholas Winding Reference, Winding Reference 2011 neo-noir crime film Drive, which I believe we've talked about on the yeah, show. Yeah, that was uh, episode 9, I think. As well as the 2006 documentary Cocaine Cowboys, which I have not seen. At release, the game received critical acclaim with praise regarding its narrative, themes, music, and gameplay. Hotline Miami has since become a cult video game. Its sequel, Hotline Miami 2 Wrong Number, was announced in 2013 and released in 2015. So, it's kind of it's kind of tough to describe this game to to somebody who maybe doesn't play games or plays games very infrequently. I feel like it's pretty easy. Top, top down I'm, I'm just going to try to describe the look of the game it's very neon uh, and you can feel free to interject with anything mm -hmm. I'm you know very neon colors you've got you know 
maybe a tiger skin rug on the floor of a level. The game is divided up into levels, so you get a mission in the form of a phone call, which is coded. Uh, the messages will say something like, uh, um, they each give metaphors, i.e., you know, give VIPs at the hotel a great stay or take care of a pest infection. Some of them are so good. It's yeah. like so classic. Yeah. And so then after that, you walk down the stairs from your apartment, you get into your DeLorean, and then you kind of, quote unquote, drive off to wherever you're needed. You invade a level, which can have multiple, um, say, floors on it, like the building, and you kill every single person in the level. Pretty much without exception. Without exception for all of them? No, there's a couple exceptions. Businessman? Yeah, businessman, girlfriend. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. So, anyway, so basically it's a bloodbath. The game is incredibly gory. However, and incredibly violent, and there are many, many, many different kinds of weapons you can have. However, the art style is very 1990s. The game looks like it was made in the 90s, very pixelated. Yeah. And it's an intentional style, and it's beautiful. So the game is, on one hand, very violent, but on the other hand, it is not remotely realistic. Yeah. Think closer to Mario than Call of Duty, really. Yeah. Just in terms I mean, of... You know, cartoonishness with with the Mario characters, how the each pixel is very visible. You can see how everything is assembled out of little tiny squares. Yeah, as opposed to obviously something like Red Dead Redemption Two, where it mm-hmm. just looks almost photorealistic. This game is very far from photorealistic, and uh, it's not trying to be. But the aesthetic of the game is part of what makes it remarkable. The soundtrack is a lot of thudding drum beats and synth and heavy bass heavy heavy, synth yeah so to get into my notes a little bit i really cannot remember i was trying to think as i was making my notes i can't remember the first time i played hotline miami i can't really remember the discussion we had over hey let's get this game let's try it out i think i bought it before like now grant and i end up splitting a lot of games we buy like when we buy and we just split the cost but like for the first year or two, I mostly played games, and I think I got this before you got on the bandwagon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that I probably just bought it, and you ended up playing. It being okay. Like, Whoa. So that could be part of why I really just I honestly don't remember my first time playing this game, which is odd, because it is one of my top three games of all time. Pretty pretty comfortably too. Uh, I I don't remember being wowed by gameplay. Or the story, which is very, very convoluted. You're not really sure of what order things take place in. You're given a date before each mission. And uh, you can kind of piece it together that way. But it's still very confusing. I can't remember being wowed by the, um, by the score or by the aesthetic of it. But, you know, I guess I played it through once. And then I played it through twice. And then three times and then pretty soon i honestly cannot estimate how many times i played this game through you know what i mean like i have i have played this game from start to finish more than i've played any other game from start to finish hands down probably when you first play it the game might take you five or six hours but once you're pretty good at it and pretty familiar with it i'd say you can breeze through it in somewhere between two and a half to three and a half hours so it's, it's like a, a longer movie kind of thing. So it's yeah. not like it takes 
a huge amount of time to play. And here, here is part of the brilliance of the game. You, uh, you're, you're so you're playing through. You're going through a corridor. You know there's for well for me I've played it so many times. You know that there's going to be two guys in the room on your left. They're going to be walking in a circuit around the coffee table. Um, they might have kind of various different weapons. One might have a baseball bat. The other one might have a machine gun. One might have a pistol, and the other one might have a knife. You just you don't really know, so they mix it up that way. And also, the enemies behave very aggressively. Like, if they see you from far across a room, they will gun you down, they will run over and club you. If you get hit once, you die. And it's a one-hit kill. So, it's... The game balances flawlessly on that razor's edge between... You know, you're playing Mario or a game like Mario that you've played a hundred times before, and it's very comfortable. It's almost a comforting feeling to hop through the that familiar Mario level, and you know where all the coins are, you know how to how just to hit the platforms just right. And uh and it's a comfortable thing, this kind of like muscle memory that takes place. Hotline Miami is right between that and complete chaos. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you know that there's two guys in that room, but you don't know how how uh, how they're armed this time. You don't know exactly how aggressively they're going to respond, and that is totally indicative of the story of the game, of the themes of the game. The routine chaos uh, of slaughter is a running theme throughout the game, and you as the character are repeatedly asked if you enjoy killing people and i think even at one point you can correct me if you think i'm wrong but at one point you're told that you should stop playing so many video games i think mm, i don't think that's in this game no is that no. In the second one yeah okay well you know they do ask you that he asks you quote do you enjoy hurting other people yeah unquote and you get asked <laughs> questions like that several times you mm. you're confronted why so, are you doing so this your 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 character also this is something i shouldn't have glossed over but your the character puts on different animal masks which is terrifying but you got you know a, say a lion and a zebra the chicken and is the a most common chicken one. and a donkey and a snake i don't know a monkey it's like 20 different masks. there's tons and they give you different um Buffs. abilities you one you might start with a knife one when you open a door into somebody it kills them uh, you can kill people with your fists etc 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 so uh so that adds another really interesting layer, but your character is always confronted by three uh, figures in animal masks. One's an owl, one is a rooster, and one is a horse, correct? Mm-hmm. And they... No, actually... No, you're right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm right. For some reason, I didn't think he said owl, and then I went over it in my mind, and I was like, yeah, he said owl. Yeah. Anyway. And they kind of give you weird different feedback almost or like they they have different opinions on your actions they and... have different uh archetypes so yeah. the like the owl represents a part of you that is angry the horse represents part of you that is fearful and the chicken represents part of you that's more like you kind of like straight up the middle at least yeah. that's my interpretation yeah but it's never you're never told who these people are, what they want, where they come from, if they're even real people or if you're imagining them. Things get very, very surreal 
in the story and very strange until you, I won't spoil the whole thing, but you kind of uncover a secret. And uh, the game ends on a very weird note as well. Uh-huh. And, and nothing is really explained, and it's left completely up to you to put the pieces together. The game's story may have once been in the concept stage in a linear fashion, but it's been completely shattered. It's in pieces, and the pieces are not in order. And I could completely see that being a turnoff for some people, but for me, it led me to research other people's theories. There are tons of theories online. I, I dug deeply into the events of the game, and I eventually kind of concocted my own theory as to what exactly goes on in this game. What do you have? I have some handmade oh. green tea, raspberry, and vanilla semi-sweet chocolate. Oh, wow. Uh, excuse me. And in closing, I'd, I'd just probably say that I think Hotline Miami, along with a game we haven't talked about yet, Spec Ops The Line, is just the model for using traditionally satisfying gameplay with violence and guns and action, which is something you would mindlessly indulge in as a gamer anyway. Violence. Most video games are based around violence of some sort, even mm-hmm. Mario. Uh, but it uses those mechanics to deliver like a heavy menacing message about violence itself about entertainment and about media as well really and Mm -hmm. it and, and it flips a mirror around to you and asks you you know why do you enjoy hurting these people you know even if even if you're just pretending to hurt them or it's part of a game and, and the game is interesting too because for the first several levels you're running around you're shooting these guys maybe you kill them with a lead pipe or something and it's all very very gory but it's not that bad but as you kind of progress into the game there are some of these scenes where like it it sounds horrible and it looks horrible like you knock somebody down and you like repeatedly like beat their head into the floor until it splits open like a rotten cantaloupe and when you start out playing the game, you're like, oh, man, this is sweet. And then as you get further in, it makes you really uncomfortable. Yeah. And this is around the time when they start questioning, when the characters start to break the fourth wall almost, although not directly. And they start to ask you, like, why do you enjoy this or do you enjoy this? And it really puts you in an interesting place as the player because... You start to think like, well, I was enjoying this a little while ago, but now I don't know if I can with you looking at me like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. And that, and you'd think almost that as a game, uh, as a hyper violent game goes along, that it would get, you just get desensitized to it. Mm. But instead, somehow they manage to make it more disturbing. The further along it goes, absolutely. Yeah. Those are pretty much my thoughts. I think it's. I think it's an immaculate gaming experience. I think it looks phenomenal. It has a style that's all its own. It has a story that is confusing and engaging and thought-provoking. And uh, gameplay that is wildly difficult. We should say that too. Yeah. Very, very tough. When you die, you're immediately sent back to the start of a stage or of the floor of a building or whatever. 
most guns, I think the most ammo you can have in a gun is like 24 shots or something. Mm -hmm. And it rattles through them quick because it's a machine gun. Yeah. And after that, the guns... Actually, 32. They're rare guns. The SMGs have 32. The little, yeah, the little handhelds. Mm -hmm. But once your gun's empty... That's it. All you can do is throw it at somebody and stun them. So, yeah, it's an incredibly hard game. And... Uh, this is a tough one because the premise of the game, I think, appeals to a lot of people. And I think a lot of people who don't like games would love the would love this game. But the difficulty is, it is the difficulty. Uh, yeah, it is the difficulty it is it is ruthlessly challenging enough that I would say that, you know, people who don't really play games almost need not apply. Yeah, I mean, you can try it if you want, but it's pretty screamier TV inducing even after you've played it like four times. Oh yeah, especially the bosses. There's mm -hmm. what is there th three boss fights? Yeah, kind of. Pretty much. And uh, especially the last two of them. The one with the van and mm -hmm. then the final one. It, it'll take you dozens of tries. Yeah. It just will. I don't have that much to add. Um, I don't really want to talk about the gameplay because I feel like you did and the people who listen to this show don't really care that much. But I really do think the story is interesting because it works on several different levels because you can enjoy it just as a narrative and take things at face value and you find um a story about this uh mysterious protagonist who gets sucked into a conflict between gangs and ends up kind of delving into the criminal underworld to try and find out who is sending him these phone calls and stop them so that this senseless killing can stop you can look at it that way and you'll find a really interesting kind of compelling story that is show don't tell and really trust the viewer's intelligence. Mm -hmm. This is really a story that does not spoon feed you very much, but it is there. On the other hand, though, you can look at it as very surreal, which it's hard not to. There are at a certain point in the game, your character starts to see things that clearly aren't there. Um, he walks into he'll walk into a bar or a video rental store and see somebody outside who has like half their head missing who keeps looking at him and mm -hmm. shouting at him or whatever um and this is a game that really requires a lot of attention while you're playing it but then also a lot of thought after you put it down and at the end of the day i think how I tend to play it a lot of times is is just taking things at face value and letting it kind of wash over me and wondering about it after but but uh, I find that sort of compelling you know the idea that maybe they ha maybe they know what happened the developers the people who made the game maybe they know how the story happens and maybe they don't it's it's like a David Lynch film in that Maybe he knows what happened, and maybe he doesn't, and you just figure out your own version. I'm not sure. I think that one of the reasons, or maybe the reason why this incredibly non-linear, diced-up, almost nonsensical story works, and why I don't find it pompous or highfalutin or anything, is because it mirrors so perfectly the protagonist's kind of descent into 
insanity and the fact that the character the the player you are unstable means it makes you go well of course everything's messed up Mm -hmm. you know the your the player's mind the character's mind is messed up so i think that they mirrored mirrored that very well and they used that as a very powerful storytelling device as well and again they showed it and they didn't just tell it all right beautiful beautiful piece of art this game is once again we've come to the portion of the show known as oh i like this me too the gabber jabber oh boy no keep it going i'm gonna turn it down a bit it's the section of the show where we wow (laughs) it's a section of the show where we pimp only the very best film wow i really i can't even i can't even <laughs> think can't of that going on sentence together we're, we're gonna tell you what to watch what's good on canadian netflix so without further ado we will dig something up from netflix and we'll tell you to watch it and if you don't that's okay i will not be you know unduly threatened have i recommended snowpiercer before no Okay, so Snowpiercer. This is an interesting little movie starring, uh, what is his name? Chris Evans, Captain America himself. Uh, and it's, it's really strange. It's the Earth's, the Earth's remaining inhabitants are confined to a single train circling the globe as revolution brews among the class-divided cars. So it's very obviously an allegory you got this train speeding along. You got the poor people at the back, the rich people at the front, and a revolt kind of spreads its way up the train. Interesting concept. It does sound cool. Um, interesting movie as well. Nothing that you're going to you're going to let become one of your favorite movies of all time. It probably won't, but it's really compelling. If you want something that's got good action, but also an interesting story and some very cool visuals, I would highly recommend Snowpiercer. And that's on Canadian Netflix. I cannot guarantee your mileage may vary in the States. But this has been the Gabber Jabber, and I will not be playing any more of that music. Okay, so our next order of business coming off of the heels of one of the most ultra-violent and surreal gaming experiences humanity has to offer we go to something to be by rob thomas and i will not be saying it with ellipses every time let me grace you with a good reading of this go for it something to be is the debut solo album from the matchbox 20 lead singer rob thomas the album was released on april 5th 2005 and it debuted at number one on the u.s billboard 200 albums chart Knocking out Mariah Carey's The Emancipation of Mimi. That gives you an idea of when this came out. I love that. (laughs) This marked the first time that a male artist from a rock or pop group has debuted at number one with his first solo album since Billboard introduced the chart 50 years ago, which is quite interesting. It's crazy. The album spawned the U.S. top 10 hit Lonely No More. It also features John Mayer's guitar on the single Street Corner Symphony. The album was released in the dual disc format, the first major album to be released that way. The album itself is certified double platinum by the RIAA in the U.S. and consists of several types of sounds. 
including dance, pop, Latin, rock, and country, although it can be generally classified as closer to pop than the rock music of Matchbox <laughs> 20's third studio album, More Than You Think You Are. The album was supported by his Something To Be tour. And now, I'm not going to read all this verbatim, but the reception for Something To Be was really mixed critically. Some people liked it, some people didn't, and generally it was kind of mediocre in terms of its reception. So, a lot of hatred, especially for the single Street Corner Symphony, which I I would say is the probably the most popular song off of this album. Mm, Lonely No More would be the top ten hit. But I'm just saying, in terms of what I hear on the Maybe. radio still, yeah, Street Corner Symphony totally still has gets the most played all 15 power. years later. Yeah, and this is actually interesting. I cannot believe that 2005 was 15 years ago. Also, there was five singles released for this album. How wild is that? Well, look at the track listing. Yeah, I guess. Of course, there were. So, this album interests me because our dad listens to Matchbox 20. Of course, he's a dad, and. Uh, also has a bunch of this that he got from legitimate music sources. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely from, not. definitely not from a internet website that everybody went to in the early two thousands to download music. Definitely not something that would make you want to put on a peg leg and eye patch and say "Ahoy, matey!" <laughs> yeah, hoist not, the mainstays. <laughs> not something that rhymes with prime fire <laughs> <laughs> literally nobody even knows what lime wire is anymore i'm pretty sure no they do i'm pretty sure a lot a good chunk of our lish, lish, listeners our listenership our licorice is way too young to have any idea there's what lime a wire. big chunk of our licorice that doesn't know what lime wire yeah. is okay <laughs> anyways so i've heard this music since i was a little kid and i feel like i didn't like it and then over time it kind of became like my guilty pleasure music where you're kind of like forced to admit like yeah this is kind of groovy and then eventually you just embrace it embrace how much of a cornflake you are and writing this down and listening over this album as i have quite a few times in the last couple weeks in preparation it really is borderline like boy band perfection and it's not 100 percent boy band it's maybe 40 percent boy bandish in terms of that poppy like it's about rob thomas he's hot you know he's here to make you smile or cry or cry or both um it reminds me of kind of harry styles or lord in terms of pulling off that really high gloss sound well i'm not talking about in terms of the actual music but just in terms of very high polished high production value but it works you know we don't mind i don't mind the fact that it doesn't have any rough edges that's something that bothers me typically in music but he can get away with it the track list is almost scarily good like you look at it (laughs) the critical reception was mixed typically we don't really go in for pop music but i'm forced to admit there's very little fat there are very few tracks that i would skip over while i'm typically listening to it and another hallmark of this album is what were we talking about earlier westerns this reminds me of the westerns in that it's just cheesy enough that sometimes you kind of laugh at it but at the end of the day it's also it also seems real enough that you kind of let yourself go along with it um a lot of times what art does and what music does is really embellishes the facts right to the breaking point and pulls back a little bit just so that you believe it and it seems like it has credibility but really it's more dramatic than real life and that's a sense that i get really from this album is like it's 
really melodramatic in a good way. I'm just, over my... take, take your time. Wow, there, okay. Take your Jeez, time. Sorry, I didn't realize we were making one of those jump cut YouTube videos. Pe- people love dead air in broadcasts of all sorts. Well, they get like an hour of dead air every two weeks when they listen to us, so there you go. <laughs> that said, though, I do think the album is extremely safe in pretty much every way. When you listen to this album, it's basically nothing that you haven't heard before. It's just a really well-executed version of normal music, is what I would say. But sometimes old ideas that are really well-executed still make for great albums. I know I've said that before. I think sometimes innovation is a little bit, like, overrated. It's like... um... So my coworker Zach was telling me that he and his girlfriend have begun watching a Netflix series called Black Summer, and it's a zombie apocalypse kind oh, of I saw that on scenario. And uh, he said it's just it's uh, it's so forcefully diverse that it's laughable mm-hmm. almost. It's it doesn't dignify or justify the cast, and he was. He was making bets with his girlfriend as to which, and and I just want to say like, some somebody like Jordan Peele, who has said he doesn't really plan to make movies centered around white people because he's black and that's what he relates to. Yeah, God bless him. Totally. Of I mean, you know, I don't feel especially qualified as of right now to write from a black person's point of view because I'm white and that's what I relate to, but. Uh, but to just cram in, you know, every ethnicity just to check boxes is similar to what you're, what I, I think what you're saying. Like forced nuance and yeah. forced innovation of, yeah. for innovation's sake or diversity for diversity's sake really just is aimless. Yeah, it's, this is, that was a mediocre analogy and I'm going to make another <laughs> mediocre analogy to compound that. I don't think that that's mediocre. Well, okay. Here's it does it. People, here's another people one. do that in the in the name of progress. Yeah, but I think sometimes, like when you when I bought my mountain bike a couple of years ago, I did a bunch of research on this. <laughs> Hang on. Where is this I just, going? I just want to try another one. I just want to try another one. When I bought a mountain bike, okay. I bought. <laughs> Hang on. Let me get through it first. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking how is my analogy Rob, mediocre and you're talking about mountain no, bikes you haven't let me get through it pop music is like a mountain bike <laughs> pop music is nothing like a mountain i will bike. take a simple well-built machine over a complex canadian tire ccm bike any day of the week what on earth are you how did your brain even bring no, you to no you know what <laughs> you will appreciate me after i'm dead okay hang on was that when was the last time we got off the rails to that extent (laughs) holy smokes okay okay breathe it's safe okay the beats are definitely funky but safe the songs stick to tried and true structures i know (laughs) the songs really do though stick to the tried and true verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus chorus structure without fail no risks taken there. And although I do think his writing is genuinely really good, it never left me breathless. I don't think he ever has those lines like a Leonard Corner and Alex Cameron where you rewind it just to be like, did he really say that? That is awesome. 
But I don't want to sound overly negative because I really, really, really do like this album. It's just that it's not astoundingly special in any one way, I don't feel. I think it has a permanent place in my music library as one of the ultimate comfort food albums where you know you can just go to it at any point and really enjoy yourself. But I don't think it's going to end up or should end up in the pantheon of like great albums of all time just because I think it failed to try anything new or do anything new. So it's an interesting story for me at the end of the day because I think that the album is actually one of the closer albums that one of the albums that we have reviewed that is closest to perfection in terms of what it set out to do versus what it did but it was relatively lacking in ambition compared to a lot of other albums we talk about and so even though it's almost perfectly executed I feel like the best it ever could have been was really good does that make sense mm-hmm But like I said, there's something that appeals to me a lot about that like mild amount of cheese. That's what we love in like Alex Cameron is he never seems to be completely serious. And although this album doesn't have the comedy aspect that Alex Cameron has, you get the sense that Rob Thomas knows that he's kind of being a bit of a ham and he knows that he's kind of being a bit of a heartthrob and he doesn't take it too seriously. That's pretty much it. Okay. My my history with this album is exactly, obviously, it's exactly what yours is. Dad's ancient, you know, brick-sized MP3 player that was stuffed to the brim with mislabeled songs and bootleg copies that he downloaded from, you know, unofficial sources. And, you know, I I heard pretty much every song with the exception of, I think, two. I don't remember hearing I'm an Illusion, and I don't remember hearing the closer Now is oh. Now is now the comes Night. The, now Could, Comes the Night. I meant to mention, too, that that is unironically, like, one, one of the best closing tracks that I've heard in a really long time. That's a perfect album closer. Perfect. And uh, I think that those were the only two songs that he didn't have on that on that uh, mp3 player let me just i'm just pulling it up yeah because yeah we had we had everything else yeah i think on there so i heard all but two of these songs all out of order mixed up mixed in with you know theory of a dead man and the eagles and everything else dads everywhere listen we to. had one artist that was matchbox 20 like two zero another one that's matchbox 20 like t w e n t y yep. Do you want to listen to Eagles or The Eagles? Yeah. The choice is yours. <laughs> yeah. And it is Eagles, by the way. Uh, so, and, 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 and that was my introduction to it. And I always had kind of an affinity for a lot of these songs. And especially a song like Street Corner Symphony definitely starts out, started out for me being kind of a guilty pleasure because it is so unbelievably corny. You know, come on over down to the corner. My sisters and my brothers care for one another. Like, it's it's pretty ridiculous. It's pretty ridiculous stuff. Yeah. It's The album sounds incredibly polished and is full of almost gimmicky sounds, like tubular bells on the at the beginning of All That I Am, uh, canned beats, unlimited synths, a massive choir of backing singers kind of popping in and out and and that could be tiring or it could sound overly manufactured 
the lyrics are your typical Rob Thomas kind of meat and potatoes brilliance, unwieldingly catchy. And even at times they can stray into something approaching beauty or something that is heartfelt, but there's nothing here that approaches, and I'm using air quotes, real poetry. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And and the album, furthermore, doesn't have a massive dynamic range in terms of, uh, in terms of you know heavy songs and lighter songs. There are lots of heartfelt ballads about broken people slash relationships. And I want to stress that every song on this album is a love song. This is how heartbreaks, lonely no more, when the heartache ends, problem girl. That's that fallen. Hey, Street Corner Symphony is not really a love song, is it? Not really, but it's about you know love for everybody, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but yeah, like every song on this album is about your standard, you know, sad relationship yeah. sort of thing. So not a lot of variety in terms of song theme, and tons of polish, verging sometimes on soulless and that being said if you dislike this album you are a soulless lump of self self-loathing that is all there is to it each song is a mind cut and polished piece of pure pop genius you know what this album is like what this is a good analogy this oh. album is like no i'm serious okay this and tell me I'm going to lay out this analogy, and then you tell me honestly if you think it's good or not. Mm. This album is like a perfectly executed grilled cheese sandwich. It's never going to be like the best thing you ever had, because it's just Uh. too simple, and it's not a very ambitious meal. At the same time, however, it's comfort food, it's delicious, and you'd be a monster not to like it. You are really... Was that good or not? Not really. You are banned banned from making further analogies on this show. Okay. Maybe. Okay, back to like... <laughs> back to the review that was in progress. Okay. Okay. So the album's twelve tracks long. And there really there truly isn't a single song. I was thinking this too. There's not a single song that isn't catchy or, you know, mm-hmm. in your face overly soulful. And Rob Thomas never ever sounds like he's phoning it in or that he's bored. Also, he's a great vocalist. I he is mention, a very good I vocalist. I didn't mention that. He's an exceptional vocalist. But you get, even with like the Harry Styles album, which I do enjoy, I have to admit, the self-titled Harry Styles album, you do get a couple tracks where he sounds kind of bored or like he's filling space. Yeah. You never, Meet ever. Me in the hallway. Yeah. You never feel that way with Rob Thomas. That's true. He That's a good point. belts it on every single song. He sounds into it. It sounds like he brought his a game to it and that he's excited to be making the song and uh and that really translates i think into the listening experience could it have been better if it lost two or three tracks doubtless most albums would be at least three quarters of the albums if not more that we review on here would be better if you cut off the worst three tracks however even the dead weight uh will worm its way into your head it'll worm its way into your heart and this album is absolute joy and soul in a candy coating. And that's all I have to say about it. If and yeah, if you if you listen to this album and you dislike it, 
like on a fundamental level i truly just have no words i have i just am unsure of how to help you let's just have a moment of silence for that amen yeah so that's that's those are our thoughts on something to be and on hotline miami very positive this has been a very positive episode i feel uplifted it feels good to do something where i mean going into it it was no secret you know hotline miami is one of my top three games Mm -hmm. of all time and i know that you love something to be and you know it's just i don't know how else to say it other than that something to be is just such a safe bet and that is what holds it back but at the same time i don't think that's negative because not every album has to be your favorite album of all time no of course not but this is you know it's pop brilliance okay let's come in under an hour so we have like two minutes left sure um next time we are talking about things we do not know yet yeah i would really like to do a grim fandango episode soon like i'm thinking i should play through that game very shortly do we have it on ps4 uh like it's cross by i think so yeah. we could download it yeah we should do that because the saves the file save system on it's terrible mm, yeah that's true we should also do bioshock series I think I'll post an Instagram poll and ask you guys if you want us to keep talking about games because I feel like people aren't that interested. What we should really on post, the other hand, how much do we care? What, what we should whoa, what we should really post about is whether or not people want us to keep doing the uh, every second week hour long mm-hmm. episode or once a week half hour episodes. I still think we just record this as is and just chop it in the middle and do one per week. Like, we'd have to make some minor tweaks, but I think that could work. I think it could work, but I think it would also be a little awkward, but... We're, did you hear that mountain bike analogy? Yeah. Or the grilled cheese one? Or when I talked about how I like Ansel Adams. Yeah, I heard that. Okay, well, I mean, this has been the Good Ship Brothership. If you listen to this album, Something to Be by Rob Thomas, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook or at... Uh, the good ship brothership at gmail.com tell us what you think and do the same for hotline miami if you are somebody who's inclined to play video games of that nature or of any nature really we'd encourage you to give it a shot and give it a fair shake and tell us what your honest thoughts and opinions were we sincerely welcome all dissenting opinions however we may not acknowledge them yeah but if you disagree with us we get pretty excited okay everybody thank you so much for listening I have been Grant. I will be Jason. And And we we shall be the Good Ship Brothership. Bye. Okay, bye. Okay.